Scripture today is Isaiah 47, verses 1 through 10. Go down, sit in the dust, virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground without a throne, daughter of the Babylonians. No more will you be called tender or delicate. Take millstones and grind flour. Take off your veil. Lift up your skirts, bare your legs, and wade through the streams. Your nakedness will be exposed and your shame uncovered. I will take vengeance. I will spare no one. Our Redeemer, the Lord Almighty is his name, is the Holy One of Israel. Sit in silence. Go into darkness, doubter of the Babylonians. No more will you be called Queen of Kingdoms. I was angry with my people and desecrated my inheritance. I gave them into your hand, and you showed them no mercy. Even on the aged, you laid a very heavy yoke. You said, I will continue forever, the internal queen. But you did not consider these things or reflect on what might happen. Now then, listen, you wanton creature, lounging in your security and saying to yourself, I am. There is no one besides me. I will never be a widow or suffer the loss of children. Both of these will overtake you in a moment on a single day, loss of children and widowhood. They will come upon you in full measure in spite of your many sorceries and all your potent spells. You have trusted in your wickedness and have said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and knowledge will mislead you when you say to yourself, I am, and there is none besides me. Thank you, Brother Bill. Let them eat cake. You know who said that, right? Marie Antoinette, the wife of King Louis XVI. And it was words that were spoken during the famine time in France. And a statement that was used and attributed to Marie Antoinette to stir the French Revolution. Let them eat cake. Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette lived in luxury in Versailles, built beautiful palaces and gardens. They cared nothing for the struggles of the people in France. And that was becoming obvious all throughout France. And so the revolution came. Royalty fell off the throne. Marie Antoinette, who lived in her high places upon her throne, was guillotined. 12.15 12.15 p.m., October 16, 1793. Her final words were, Pardon me, sir, I meant not to do it. She spoke those words to Henry Sasson, her executioner, because she stepped on his toe as she was walking up to be guillotined. Off came her head, and Madame Tussaud made a death mask of her, and her headless body was thrown into an unmarked grave in Danjou. And that place of rest for her beheaded body closed down, actually, a year later. And that's the story of Marie Antoinette. The queen fell off her throne. As we enter into chapter 47 of Isaiah this morning, the queen, Babylon has been thrown from her throne. 
and she will be judged in righteous judgment by a holy God. He will bring deliverance for his people Israel, and he will use Persia to deliver them. But God is going to judge that queen, Babylon, and she will be thrown from her throne. Babylon, the Babylonian way. It seems to be that all throughout history, and as you study the scriptures, it's interesting that of all the cities spoken of in scripture, we see Jerusalem, Israel, spoken of the most. But a close second is Babylon. And never in a favorable way. Babylon seems to be that city that that represents a world system or a world philosophy that's totally anti-God, that is going to live life in pride, that is going to live life in all that we have done. Babylon is is a world philosophy, and the Lord is always going against it and bringing His judgment on it. And then Babylon is trying to tempt people to follow her way, the Babylonian way. And sometimes we're tempted to follow that way. Living in our pride, thinking that we have it all together, thinking that we can do life in our own strength, thinking that we can save ourselves. And God is bringing judgment upon that way. Babylon was known for its beauty, the gates of Ishtar, which are now in Berlin, if you ever get there. The Hanging Gardens of Babylon, one of the ancient wonders of the world. Beautiful, powerful. In the Akkadian language, Babylon meant the gate of the gods. And the truth is, Nebuchadnezzar thought he was a god. And God deals with him, doesn't he? Like we sang this morning, there is one that's higher than you, Nebuchadnezzar. And you're going to be shown that. And people of Babylon, you need to know. There is one that's higher. But there is one that's the Savior, the Deliverer. There's the good news of the Scriptures. There is one who came, who is King of kings and Lord of lords. But for people like Babylon, who thought they were the center of the universe, the Lord is now going to judge. And one of the things as we go through this passage that I want us to to just think about, Are we tempted, or have we been tempted, to follow the Babylonian way, the the let-them-eat-cake, which basically, again, is, is the center of everything is me. That's the Babylonian way. I'm full of pride. I don't really care what's going on around me. And again, I live life for myself. I'm drawn to the luxury. I'm drawn to success. I'm drawn to abundance. Everything to fulfill me. Are we tempted to be drawn into the Babylonian way? Or am I following the way of the Lord? Not only receiving the bread of life, the way of the Lord, but actually as we receive the bread of life, as we follow the way of the Lord, that we are giving and offering the bread of life. Because that is the good news that there is a God who loves us. There is a God who loves us so much that He died on the cross for our sin. There is a God who rose again on the third day and His offer is the gift of life. Salvation 
now, salvation for eternity, and why we're on this planet, life, full life. We thought we could get life the Babylonian way. And for those of you who've been trying that, you know that just fails day after day. But God gives us life. Am I going to say, let him eat cake? Or am I going to say, here's the bread of life? Let's pray. Father, I pray that this morning your Holy Spirit would convict us if we need to be convicted. If we've been tempted to follow the Babylonian way. Even in the season that we're entering into of Thanksgiving and Christmas, it, it feels like everything's about shopping for us and get, get all this stuff. And, and I really do pray that, um, that you will just strip that away from us. Give us your heart for people who are broken and hurting. Help us to give and offer not only things that meet their needs, but that meets their ultimately need, life. May we offer the bread of life this Thanksgiving and, and this Christmas season. Stir us up. Open our eyes to see these encounters that you have for us. May we not be a people who say, let them eat cake and not care about them. May we be a people full of love and grace and truth. And even today at this peace feast, this afternoon, may we offer the bread of life. In your beautiful and precious name, amen. Scripture says, go sit down in the dust, daughter of Babylon. You're not going to be called tender or delicate. You're going to grind flour with millstones. Your nakedness will be exposed. The queen is off her throne. The throne was always a symbol of power. Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, he actually took along a portable throne with him when he went into war. And when people, when he conquered peoples, he would set up his portable throne so they could come and pay homage to him on his throne. The throne always had that significance of power. You, Queen Babylon, are going to be thrown off that. No more power. You will be grinding flour, the most menial of tasks that could happen. And you will take your veil off. A veiled woman was considered a woman who was taken, married. And the veil to be taken off by the woman and not by the husband would signify that there was an affair that took place. And it showed the woman to be a harlot. That she would be stripped down. Babylonian text from Nuzi signified that to be stripped down like this would be to be one who was seeking divorce. And you would be driven out naked. You see, long skirts were what was appropriate and good and respectable. Nakedness was reserved for people who were poor and prisoners and dancing girls and much worse. The queen, Babylon, had been knocked off her throne. She had been taken out and put to the menial task. God is going to do this, and God will deliver his judgment upon the Babylonian way. The Lord says, I will take vengeance, says the Lord. And just a little side note that just hit me as I was reading that. It's sometimes... We don't let God be God. 
we don't let him step into our life and actually be the one who is our defender, the one who delivers justice and judgment. I just want to encourage you, let the Lord be your defender. Let the Lord be the one who's going to bring about justice and his vengeance upon things that are just so contrary to him. He may speak to your heart and say, I want you to be part of this justice and bringing this forth. But a lot of times we try to do it in our own strength or we try to defend ourselves or we try to make it happen. Let the Lord do it because he will. And he does because he's a just God. And because he loves his people. And he cares about those who are oppressed and put down and put aside. Those who are said to be just let them eat cake. He cares about them. So let him step in in those ways. And maybe again, he's calling you to step in with him. But don't depend on your own strength or your own actions to fix it all. Let him, because he will. His judgment comes upon Babylon. Why? Let's look at verse 5. We'll come back to verse 4. The Babylonian way. This is why the judgment comes. I gave my people into your hands. So he's using Babylon to put righteous judgment upon the people of Israel, right? I put them into your hands. I needed to have a righteous judgment on them. They were going away from me, and I used you, Babylon, but you had no mercy on them. You were a people that put a heavy yoke upon my people. And so my judgment comes upon you for the way that you said, let them eat cake, let them suffer. Not only suffer, but we're going to put a heavy suffering on them. No mercy, heavy yoke. It's so contrary, isn't it, to the character of our God? Our God is merciful. And what does the Lord say to all of us who are under a heavy yoke? Matthew eleven twenty eight. Would you come to me, all of you who are weary, who are burdened, and I will give you rest? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle. I am humble in heart. And you will, here's the promise of the Lord, you will find rest for your soul. Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You, Babylon, have no mercy. You, Babylon, place a heavy yoke. That's contrary to to who I am, and I will judge you for it. And so he deals with the people of Babylon. You think that you're in charge. You did not consider the consequence of your actions. How often is that the case? You're selfish. You're self-centered. You're full of pride. God's judgment is coming. So listen what's going to happen. You lover of pleasure, lounging in your security, saying, I am and there is none beside me. You say, I want to keep having children. I'll never experience widowhood. I've trusted in my wickedness. I'm trusting in the sorcerers and what they're giving me. And you continue to say to yourself, I am and there is none besides me. That's the Babylonian way. Are you tempted into that? Lover of pleasure. Lounging in your security, which really is a false security. 
believing that I am in control of my future. I will set it. I'm always going to be queen. I'm always going to have children. I'll always be on the throne. There won't ever be widowhood. I set my destiny. That's the Babylonian way. I, I, I am in charge. And I trust in my wickedness. And I think nobody sees my wickedness, my sin. Harvey Weinstein. All of the political leaders that we're facing today. Every day on the news. Powerful, powerful people who I think at some point said, nobody will see my sin and my wickedness, and it's come out. The scriptures say, your sin's going to be shouted from the mountaintops. But for Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey, all these others, Al Franken, everything that's pouring out in the news into our faces every day, the Lord says, I died for your sin. Will you repent and turn to me? You've tried this Babylonian way, and it's left you nothing but death and destruction. Turn to me. The offer is made for everybody. You can't hide your sin. You especially can't hide your sin from God, who knows your heart to the core, who exposes everything in your heart. You know yourself the heaviness of your heart. If you're living outside of God's will, if you're living a life that doesn't include the Lord in it, that you've never asked Jesus to become your Savior, you're living with the heaviness of that. You're trying to hide your sin all the time. I'm just telling you, it's going to be shown and shouted out because God wants to deal with you. And He wants to say, I love you. Repent. Turn to me. I will forgive you your sin. Who are we to present? We can throw accusations at all these people on TV where their sin's been shouted out. We know we are great sinners in need of a Savior. We have fallen. Babylon has fallen from the throne. Judgment has come. The Babylonian way has a God complex. There's two verses that are repeated in this first ten verses. I am, and there is no other like me. Verses 8 and 10. I am, and there is no other like me. Does that sound familiar to you? It should, because as Josh taught last week, Isaiah 46, God is speaking about idol worship and the dangers of that and the weight of it and how it's just, it's just empty. And God says to His people, remember the former things, Isaiah 46, 9. Remember the 40, uh, former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. The Babylonian way rips off God and tries to take the place of God. Seems to go all the way back to the garden, doesn't it? We want to be like God. And we want to decide what is right and what is wrong. We want to decide how we live our lives and how we set it up. I am God. The Babylonian way lives life thinking that you are in control, that you are God, and you become really your own idol. You worship yourself. 
And sometimes we're tempted to draw into that. I want to just lead life on my own. I'm just going to do it my way. And God will judge that. Because there is no God besides Yahweh, God, I am. There is one that is higher. There is a God, and like it's always said, you're not him. The Babylonians thought they were. Nebuchadnezzar sure did, and God dealt with him. The Babylonian way will be judged. Here's the truth. The truth is we all are going to face judgment. We sang this morning about our holy God, and sometimes we just forget that. We have a holy God who cannot have in front of him sin. So you had to provide a way which was his son, Jesus, which is all of what Isaiah is speaking about. You can't miss Jesus in the middle of Isaiah. The whole book's written so that you'll see Jesus. Jesus, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Holy One. There is a God, our God, who is holy, and he will deal with sin, and we all will stand before him. And I think this prophecy in Isaiah 47 is much bigger than just God dealing with with physical history Babylon. I think it's dealing with what's going to happen, that we are all going to be judged, and in the end times, God is going to bring His righteous judgment upon all of us. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess, every one of us is going to stand before God. And He's going to look right into our hearts. And he's going to see whether we chose to follow him and love him. Or he's going to see if we said, to heck with you, God, I want nothing to do with you. I'm my own God. So we either have relationship with him or we're separated out with him from him for all eternity. That's what the scriptures speak. Isaiah 47. If you have your Bibles, go to Revelation 18. Revelation 18. This is why I think it's such a bigger picture than here's just judgment upon Babylon. Revelation 18. Ultimate final judgment of God upon mankind, upon the earth. I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority. The earth was made bright with his glory and he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Aren't we seeing this in Isaiah 47? Dwelling place for demons. Sins are heaped as high as heaven, verse 5 says. Verse 7 of chapter 18 of Revelation. She has glorified herself, and she has lived in luxury. So give her like a measure of torment and mourning, since in her heart she says, I sit as queen. I am no widow, and mourning shall I never see. Hum, sound familiar? Isaiah 47. Judgment upon the Babylonian way. And those who choose to live in their own pride as their own God, who say, I am queen, I'll never end being queen, and God judges that. He will judge mankind, each and every one of us, for our life for our sin. And it's either covered by the blood of Jesus as we've received him and we are washed clean or we stand bare and the weight of sin and we are separated out forever from God. 
That's the ultimate judgment. We don't like to talk about hell a lot, but you need to know there is separation from God forever. That's what we call hell. God's doing everything, everything He can to have relationship with you. And to have people know about how much He loves them. And to let them know that He died for that sin. Because holy God cannot have sin in His presence. And so He judges it. Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. It all will be done. Either eternal life in the joy and the presence of God or eternal life separated out from everything of God. Judgment has come. We think that we're in charge. We say, what sin? Or we say, there's no consequence for sin. But the truth is, when we follow the Babylonian way, it only leads to death and destruction. The wages of sin is death. Scripture is very clear about that. And God will judge our sin. You think you can hide. You think you can pretend what sin. He will judge it because He knows us to the core. Each heart laid bare before holy God. Malcolm Young just died yesterday. Malcolm Young was the co-founder of the band ACDC. I grew up with ACDC. I grew up rocking out, lifting weights. ACDC was the band, along with Van Halen. I was a rocker when I was a younger kid. I love these hardcore bands. Malcolm Young, with his brother, started ACDC. Malcolm Young was an incredible guitarist. But here's what it said about him. He was a perfectionist. He was a unique man. He always stuck to his guns and did exactly what he wanted. And he's famed for his songs, Highway to Hell, Hell's Bells, Back in Black. Malcolm Young, yesterday, stood before holy God, heart laid bare. Only God's the judge of his heart. We are not. But the truth is, each and every one of us is going to stand there in the presence of God. And he's going to look and he's going to say, your heart was either surrendered to me or your heart lived the Babylonian way and said, heck with you, God. Hell's bells, here I come. And God says, okay. I didn't force you into a relationship with me. I long for a relationship with you. I long to save you from your sin. But this is what you wanted. Okay. Final judgment. God's serious about sin. God's serious about when we are following the Babylonian way. Because his whole being is about offering the bread of life. That's the gift he gives to each of us. And truth is, there's good news. There's good news for Malcolm. There's good news for each of us. There is a Savior. Let's draw back to verse 4. In the middle of all of this judgment, you need to be reminded, our Redeemer, verse 4, the Lord Almighty is His name, the Holy One of Israel. There's only one 
who can save you, who will save you, who desires to save you. Longing for that relationship, wanting you to get free from your sin, get out of that prison and give you life. He is Gael, the Redeemer. There is a ransom that needs to be given, a price that must be paid for your sin. And that's through Jesus Christ. And that's what Isaiah is trying to get into our brains to help us see the Messiah who is to come for him. And we know the Messiah has come. Gael, the Redeemer. There is the Redeemer. God has placed all this judgment that was meant for you and me on his son Jesus. All sin placed on Jesus. That's the cost. He took it. The payment that was needed so that God could have us in relationship with him. The good news is that Jesus died on that tree for you and for me so that we could receive the gift of life. Not live in the destruction and in the death of the Babylonian way, but receiving the bread of life, Jesus. We must be redeemed. We must. I told a story many years ago about my father. He went to Columbia to do ministry in the prisons in Columbia. And one of the darkest prisons that there was in the jungles of Columbia, they, they sent the most awful men to this place because it was deep in the jungles, away from everybody. He had to cross several bridges over these enormous ravines with, with rushing water underneath hundreds of feet below. And so they went in, a bunch of pastors from Peninsula Bible Church, to go minister to these prisoners. And they brought musicians so they were able to sing unto the Lord. And for the prisoners, that was a breath of fresh air. And then they taught the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit was just over that prison camp. And men were coming to Jesus left and right, broken, empty, longing for life and surrendering their hearts unto Jesus. They hadn't heard the good news in years and years and years. There hadn't been anybody who wanted to go out to that prison because it was dangerous. It was dark. So they were kind of left alone. But here comes the good news. And then afterwards, one man comes to my father, and he says, Senor, will you, will you ransom me? Will you pay my debt? Senor, will you give this to me? Will you pay my ransom? Will you redeem me? And my father was confused. So he went to the guard and he said, this man's coming to me and saying, will I redeem him? I have no idea what that means. And he said... Pastor Richie, this man has actually served his time. But he cannot get out of the jail, out of this prison, unless there is somebody who redeems him. They must pay the price for him. He's like, well, how much is it? And he told them, it was only like 20 bucks. 20 bucks. And he's like, 
I want to redeem him. I want to redeem the whole camp. He said, no. Just this one man. He needs a redeemer. And if you will pay the price, he will be set free. A ransom must be paid. We need a redeemer to be set free from the chains of death. We are bought with a price, an incredible price. You know, sometimes we think we can buy Jesus. Did you see this week? Most expensive painting in the world, Leonardo da Vinci, Jesus the Messiah. $450 million. Blew, blew the records by $150 million, I think. For a painting of Jesus, the Messiah. I think sometimes we think we can buy Jesus. The Babylonian way says, I can get there on my own. I can pay enough to make it. The truth is, he's the only Savior. He's the only Redeemer. He's the one who pays the price for you. That's a heavy, heavy price. So much more than $450 million. It's the blood of Jesus for us. That's the good news. And then you start to live out and you realize, I am no longer my own. I am bought with a price. Everything about me now has a life of Christ in me. This is who I am. And this is what God is doing with me. I am delivered. He is Jehovah, the existing one, the only one. He is the Lord of hosts of the angel armies who come and deliver us. He is the Holy One set apart. He is God Almighty. The Babylonian way rejects Him, saying, I don't need God. But we're burdened by our sin. Our soul is longing to be filled with life. You know what? You say you're fine. You say, I'm powerful. I'm in a high position. You say, I have a good life. You say you have it under control. And the reality is, you know you don't. You know you're hurting inside. You know you feel the weight of your sin. And yet you keep trying to play this game, speaking out loud, it's all good. And it's not. But it can be in Christ Jesus. The truth is you're longing for more. You keep going on with your magic spells, the Scriptures say, all your sorceries. All the counsel, verse 13 that you have received has only worn you out. People are looking for new life. They're longing for life. You know, they just found a a new uh, planet, Ross 128. And they're so excited, these astrologers, these astronomers, astronomers, but it goes to what the Babylonians were doing. They, had, they were following the stars. They found this new planet, Ross 128. And again, they're saying, hey, we can maybe have new life there. Same size as Earth. Has the same temperature that could probably hold life. We're looking to the stars for life. We are longing for life. And yet we keep going everywhere else outside of God and Jesus Who's our only life? I was just in Jordan 
with Asher and Kent Johnson. and One of the most wonderful experiences I've had. And my best experiences were actually sitting with Syrian families who were running for their lives out of Syria into Jordan, which is where most of them went. And I sat with this, this one family who's longing for life, and they're sitting and they're telling their story, and they're showing me their house in Raqqa and, and how it was absolutely destroyed. We asked them, do you want to go back? But even if we wanted to go back, what's there to go back to? There's nothing. There's no- and they said this very clear. We have no hope. Look at my son, what my son has to grow up in. We have no hope. We know we are going to be refugees forever. We have no hope. And so I took him to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29 speaks about the people Israel when they're in captivity in Babylon. And it says, listen, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Not to harm you, but to prosper you, to to give you life. When you call upon me, I will listen to you. And I will bring you into that place. I will bring you back home. And I told this gentleman, this family that. And I said, that's God's plan for you. He loves you so much. He is your hope. They are people without hope. And then something that was really interesting, he said to me, he goes, you know what, Pastor Ron? He goes, I'm surrounded by community. We have a mosque down here. We have a bunch of Muslim neighbors, good people. I'm Muslim, but you know what? Not one of them has come to care for our needs. Not one of them has come and said, how are you doing? How can we provide for you? He goes, but you Christians keep showing up. And you're bringing us clothing, and you're bringing us food, and you're bringing us gifts for our children, and you're caring about my unborn child right now, and you're, you're getting ready to, to celebrate this child. He goes, I don't know how to reconcile that. I think there's going to be a massive harvest in Jordan and in Turkey and all around the world of these Syrian refugees who have been looking for life everywhere, and have not found it, and they're at the end of themselves, and God is coming. Pray for your Syrian refugees, our neighbors, our friends, and offer the bread of life. They go on their way, and the reality is no one can save them, no one but Jesus. But there is one, all pointing to Jesus, the bread of life. He's bringing righteousness near, Isaiah 46, and his salvation will not be delayed. Our Redeemer, the Lord Almighty is his name, the Holy One of Israel. Let's pray. Father, we invite you. We invite you into our lives, Lord Jesus. Minister to us. And speak to us your truth and pour out your love on us. And Father, for those in this room who've never received.
the gift of salvation from you, would you open their hearts right now that they say, yes, Jesus, come and save me. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus, be Lord of my life. And you need to know that you are forgiven, that you are cleansed of your sin, that you are now a child of God. Lord Jesus, thank you for the bread of life. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving us. We are thankful that you are our Redeemer. Amen.